Hi, this is Tim Sanders, founder of the Omnia Radiation Balancer, and I'm honored to have been a guest on the Journey to Truth show. Now with phone radiation, most people think that because they can't feel anything, nothing is happening. But the reality is that this radiation is causing a lot of stress and damage in your body, and your brain doesn't register that it's happening. The likelihood is that you'll only find out about it when this continuous stress shows up in the body as disease. And this is backed up by well over 10,000 peer-reviewed studies showing that EMF causes serious diseases when they tested it on rats. The Omnia Radiation Balancer removes this stress. It's proven to balance the blood, it brings perfect crystalline structure to water, and our kinesiology muscle tests show that the body goes super strong when you stuck it on your phone. And it works with 5G. You just order enough patches to cover every radiating device in your home and you're done. It lasts forever. But to be clear, let's not get complacent. We must all stop 5G together. So big thanks and big love to Tyler and Aaron. Click on the link below and you can quickly and permanently bring balance back to your body. Thank you. Hey, you're listening to Journey to Truth podcast. Tonight, we are joined by Deanne Adamson. Deanne is founder and president of Being True to You, which is a holistic addiction recovery coaching. I guess that's what you do, including psychedelic therapy, which I'm excited about because I don't think we've talked about psychedelics on any of our episodes. Uh, it's, it's a little real, bit. Maybe, maybe may barely, but, we, there, we, but haven't, we haven't really gotten deep into it. And I think... Uh, there's a movement taking place there. It's becoming legal in a lot of places. So that's cool. And Deanne is also host of a brand new show, The Human Experience, only on edgeofwonder.tv. And we're going to turn it over to her to tell us more about that. But before we get started, just with this whole coronavirus thing and all the stuff, just send a prayer out to everybody. I know there's a lot of fear going on right now. Uh, there's so many people who are worried. It's really confusing, honestly, even even when you think you know what's going on, it's changing every day. So uh, just everybody stay calm out there and uh, just don't lose focus. Don't lose sight of, you know, we're all indoors right now. We need to anchor the light. We need to really uh, go inward and not get distracted with all this information. I find myself scouring for like the next big announcement or the next cue drop or the next video, but uh, we just need to go inward and uh, keep ourselves grounded. So that being said, welcome to the show, Dan. Awesome, guys. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here and to jump into our conversation and see where it goes. Yeah. So tell us tell us about uh, just your show for Edge of Wonder, The Human Experience. Let's start with that and explain to us what your whole goal is with that, and then we can go from there. Yeah, so I think you guys asked me, maybe you guys asked me to be on your show before or after you knew I was doing the show. I'm not sure, but I'm really excited. I just started a new channel with Edge of Wonder called The Human Experience. Um, basically, the idea behind The Human Experience after working in the mental health arena, addiction recovery arena, the transformational coaching arena, is that there's just inevitable conditions, hardships, adversity, suffering that we all go through. And it seems that we feel disappointed by that. A lot of people that I come around or a lot of people that I'm talking to have a series of complaints about life as if it wasn't supposed to be this way. And after all these years, I just start to think to myself, 
welcome to the human experience. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, even in the, you know, the, the community that we're in with disclosure, I mean, there's always a deeper layer. And it's the same thing that I just keep thinking, which is like, welcome to the human experience. We had an idea of what life was supposed to be like as a child, I think. And as we have journeyed through our life, we've come to see a different reality again and again and again. So the channel is called The Human Experience. It's really for the whole audience and anybody else that wants to jump in and have a existential conversation about our human potential, our human purpose, um, the deeper aspects, the deeper meaning in life, and also to discuss our shared existential circumstance, as I call it, which is the fact that we have suffering, we have pain, we have deception, we have adversity, we have a lot going on on this planet. And although it might hit people in slightly different ways and slightly different scenarios, the theme is the same. So one of my main specialties is in addiction recovery. That's something that just sort of happened. It's not something I chose and I can you know, share how that came to be. It's something I'm now very passionate about. So we will be talking about addiction and mostly how to use addiction as a launching pad for transformational work and, and ultimately to find the journey of the true self. But also it'll be beyond that. We'll talk about uh, different states of suffering. We'll talk about um, what we can do with these really stubborn conditions that ultimately are taking people's lives. I mean, that is the issue too, is that people are dying before their time. People are not discovering their true self. People are not fulfilling their mission for being here. Um, individuals, families, communities are in crisis, and we're not using this crisis to our advantage. So I will facilitate the existential conversation um, as a way to bring a lot of voices together so that we can have a dialogue together about what does this mean for us and what can we do about it and honestly it's kind of a great time with the crisis that we're facing now because it is a lot of people are actually stopping and having that internal discussion about what their life means because we are being faced with the threat of our mortality yeah absolutely yes and i for one can attest to the addiction i was a big heavy drinker for back in the party days and and uh, I it, it took some time that was the biggest stepping stone and I uh, finally one night it was just really bad I'm not going to go into it but it was just that moment where you just know like okay something's got to change so I've been there so I'm so grateful for you to be doing something like this to help people because I honestly didn't have anyone to turn to I just kind of figured it out on my own so I could have probably seeked out help but anyway yeah that's amazing I think it's I think it's great what you're doing yeah, thank you. Same here. Same same experience. Figuring it out on my own. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, I mean, you're utilizing it, though. I mean, you've obviously learned the hard way, but now because of that, you're, you're, you know, people will put weight in what you say because you've lived it. And uh, I think that's there's a lot to be said about that. And it takes a lot to get out there and, and, and make that your life's goal, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So uh, the being true to you, that, that was beforehand, correct? Yeah, so I now have two businesses. Being true to you, I started in 2010. So prior to that, I went to school and got a master's in counseling. I dedicated 
gosh, 11 years to becoming a counselor and going through school only to find out that was not the system I wanted to work in. Um, there's a lot of amazing therapists and medical professionals out there. So I just want to say that, but the system itself is not necessarily set up to usher people through the grander transformational experience. It's more set up to just discuss a person's symptoms and how to mitigate those symptoms, but we're not really talking about core issues and what's going on um, at the base of our human suffering. And so um, I left counseling and licensure, which is actually a pretty big deal. I mean, I'll probably spend $200,000 by the time I pay off those student loans and a lot of time studying it. And once you leave, you can't go back that easy. You sort of have to do a lot of steps over again. So once I left, I started being true to you. A coaching business was a little bit before it was so trendy, but I really liked the idea that I could step out of the matrix, so to speak, and still help people, still do essentially what I wanted to do and what I felt my mission was, but without all of the regulations around me dictating how we see human consciousness or human psychology and human behavior and what we do about that. So being true to you has become a transformational recovery coaching program. Um, just a note on it that will be relevant to today's conversation. It initially started initially started as teen coaching because I had looked at my teen journey and I thought, gosh, what would it be like if I had a mentor or a coach during those times? Um, I had a great teenage life and I had a great 20s, but I mean, at the same time, I feel like I wasted a lot of time and my value system was definitely upside down for sure, caused a lot of pain within myself and pain within others. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to set out and create a coaching business for teens. But anyway, I ended up meeting the Ibogaine community. So that's how I got into psychedelics again. I pretty much thought psychedelics were a thing of my past, but I ended up um, running into some Ibogaine doctors and they do addiction treatment mostly for people addicted to heroin or opiates. And so I started providing aftercare for people going through this experience. And that is when I discovered so many things and became very passionate about what we're doing. So now being true to you is a basically a global recovery, transformational recovery coaching um, organization. We train and certify coaches. We have coaches in many different countries. We have clients in many different countries basically because the psychedelic movement is global. And what we do is provide preparation and integration around these transformational experiences. Most of our clients, which literally is every demographic from the top of society to, um, you know, people that are living on the streets, essentially, I mean, you name it, to the religious communities, the scientific communities, the Silicon Valley um, gosh, everywhere we see people turning to psychedelics because I would say because we have a failed healthcare system that is not addressing people's issues, but yet monopolizing those issues saying, Hey, you need to come to us for these issues, but yet we're not actually helping you with them. So that's what got us into psychedelics. And now we do transformational coaching and integration coaching. So now with the psychedelics, it's not recreational. Are you like microdosing or how are you implementing this with your clients? Yeah, so great question. I mean, we, we don't do psychedelic therapies ourselves, so we just do coaching. There are international 
retreats all around the world that are doing these experiences. So my company itself, we do not um, suggest, we do not initiate, we do not make recommendations or referrals or even approve or disapprove of people to do psychedelics. Basically, people are finding these experiences on their own. They're seeking out a retreat or maybe they're involved in a clinical trial or maybe they're just doing it in their own backyards. And then they're realizing that with these experiences, it's important to have prep and integration around them and to, um, yeah, to actually integrate the experiences. So we do not offer those experiences. I just want to make that clear. because I always get a lot of calls after these interviews, you know, everyone look for psychedelics. Psychedelics are illegal in our country. It's changing. Uh, They're coming on scene. There's, you know, areas where they're decriminalizing psychedelics. There's areas where they've approved psychedelics for clinical trials. There's areas where they're in expanded access clinics where you can start to do things like MDMA with the psychotherapist. And then what we do is just the coaching around it. So we don't do the experiences. But I can still answer your question about the microdosing and how people are doing it, depending on where you want to go. Yeah, I would just, you, you basically answered it. I was just curious if, if, if you were implementing it. But so it just, it sounds like they're discovering it on their own and you just kind of coach them through their experience. Or do I? Yeah. Have, yeah. Okay. We coach them before and after. So if they were to go to a retreat, they would be gone for seven days. We probably wouldn't talk to them for the whole seven days they're gone. So the preparation and integration is quite exciting, actually, because, you know, behavioral change is very interesting. I mean, essentially, if you're looking at human suffering, you're looking at how do I change the conditions of my mind and my body and my life? And, you know, if we just look at dieting, a lot of times people know, well, I need to eat better and I need to exercise. They go on diets, they lose weight, and then it all comes back two months later. So usually with human suffering, this is what we're seeing, whether it's addiction, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, obsessive compulsiveness, you know, people have a break where they do really good, and then they just go right back to where they were. And that's what we see with the psychedelic industry as well, as people have these epic transformational experiences, and then they find themselves where they were. So clinics and individuals are seeking out us to say, hey, we have something really special here. But it's not the cure. It's not the panacea. It's just the peak experience. But a person has to do their own work. So essentially, again, it depends how much you want to get into this. But essentially, uh, with preparation, I mean, you can prepare somebody for weeks or months before they go down into the jungle to have an experience like this and help them to, you know, identify what it is they want to work on. Um, start to tune in to their own body, their own emotions, start to understand the emotional guidance system, um, get you know some clarity on where they went wrong in life, where they're hung up at, where their shortcomings or you know attachments and addictions are, um, what they're doing to perpetuate the experience. So that way when they jump into the experience, it's going to be a lot deeper and a lot more profound when you have pulled back a lot of that armor and the defenses and, and um, and the resistance that we have to change. So, yeah, beautiful. Now, do you have, now obviously, do you have any uh, people who have negative experiences with the psychedelics or like a, there's a whole dark side to that and there's a lot of controversy there. Uh, you know, people might even be commenting right now. Some people don't believe in it. Uh, so do you have 
any any negative uh, results from this? Yeah, I mean, thanks for asking. One thing I'll say is I'm not necessarily an advocate for psychedelics. It just is something that came into our field and coaches and clients were calling us every day. And I thought to myself many times over the years, you know, do I really want to be a psychedelic integration company? And so I've gone back and forth and I've done extensive research on all sides. Not only have I personally researched, you know, these medicines in the past, but um, have done a lot of research in different arenas. So yeah, there is pros and cons to it. Um, overall, I'll first say what I see is that the benefits outweigh the risks if it is used in the right set and setting. So set, right mindset, setting, mm -hmm. you know, right retreat. And in these situations where it's properly set up, a person enters well-informed, um, all the safety protocols are in place. The person has been properly screened. They've had preparation. Um, the space is held right. The dosage is right. The purity is intact. And somebody goes through it for these therapeutic purposes, you know, with sitters is what they call it, or psychedelic therapists beside them. It can be very powerful. Now, I'm going to answer your question in a second, Tyler, about the negatives, but I'll just share, you know, a couple of things on the positives first. When you have veterans killing themselves every single day, um, drinking a bottle of whiskey a day, they're literally handed bottles of opiate pain pills, benzodiazepines, antidepressants. When they, um, when they transition out of the military and they're, they just cannot reintegrate into life because of all of the trauma that they have endured, all of the repressed emotion and just, you know, in general, just the difficulty of becoming an everyday average person after you have been through what you've been through. So just taking veterans, for instance, when you have veterans that are killing themselves, and even if they're not, they are of no support to their families, to their wives, to their children, they're making matters worse. Um, they have a lot of issues and, and unresolved conditions and there's like nothing helping them and they go through one experience one psychedelic experience and everything changes for them wow. and that's the thing about psychedelic therapies is it's not maintenance drugs like big pharma you know pumping out maintenance drugs you have to be on the rest of your life and you can't get off of them you're hooked on them you know you do one experience in the right set and setting you know, sometimes people will go back and do three experiences or maybe even five experiences, but we don't see any toxicity left behind. We don't see any major side effects other than, um, and these will be some of the light side effects other than, um, you know, your trauma coming up, um, having to face your truth, having to face your ego. These are all things that are really hard. Um, coming out with a different worldview. When you have a different worldview, sometimes you're led to make major life changes. You know, maybe you come out and you see, I'm not in alignment with my relationship anymore. You know, now I have to leave my relationship or I have to fix it. This is going to be hard. Or I'm not in alignment with my job anymore. I don't believe in this. This is, this is not good. I'm, I'm actually hurting people in the world through this job. <clears throat> and so it can be, you know, those are some of the kind of obvious risks that we warn people about is that you can experience change. And then, you know, more risks would be like having bad trips and not enjoying the experience, um, you know, things coming up that were very scary, maybe inducing new fears that you hadn't had before, seeing, you know, in other dimensions and seeing dark energies and, and, and dark things 
and then you wonder, you know, why that happened. And then of course you question, did I bring that back with me? So of course there is the concern of entities coming into your body when you, you know, enter these experiences. So that would be a concern. And, um, it depends what level you look at it, but even on a higher level, you know, what, what is the intention behind psychedelics? What are they going to do with it? If we do legalize it, who's going to be in control of it? You know, mm-hmm. can we trust the policymakers and to hand it over to big pharma again? Um, it, so there's a lot of concerns and there is a dark side to it. And I would say the dark side deals with abuse and carelessness, people that are being careless, people that are abusing it, people that are, um, taking advantage of it, um, people that are um, just, yeah, that are careless and, and don't know how to do it properly and are putting people through these experiences, taking lots of money for it, and then leaving them hanging when all their trauma comes up. So, I mean, there is risks at different levels, you know, at an individual level, at an organizational level, and then at a national level, what could it mean? For me, I don't get into advocating for it. I just notice it's a trend. And a lot of people are doing it and it is changing people's lives, not just veterans, but, um, you know, house waves, um, you know, people going through addiction, people that are suicidal, people that cannot function or get along with other people. I mean, I've seen just hundreds of transformational stories through one experience. And one more thing, it seems to lead people to the path of their true self, which I find interesting because that's where my passion is you know, being true to yourself and the path of your true self. And that's what's kept me doing this is not only is there a demand for it and people just absolutely love being true to you. Um, They love our training. They love our coaching. They just love the whole industry that we pretty much stumbled upon that didn't really exist before we started 10 years ago, not in the way that it does today. Um, But the reason that I stay here is because it fits this model of being true to you. People come out more connected to their value system. You know, Mormons come out stronger Mormons. Christians come out stronger Christians. Buddhists come out stronger Buddhists. Um, People that are not spiritual come out and want to go on a spiritual journey. So I see it driving people toward the divine. I see it driving people toward their core values. And I see it driving people toward the awakening. You know, it's helping them to see through the veils and the deception of not only our own shadow work, but of the greater shadow that's over this planet. And I also take note of the, the risks and the concerns. Yes. Yeah. You basically answered my next question. Anyway, I was going to, so basically it, it kicks, it can kickstart your awakening. uh, Essentially, Uh, you know, you might not have, who knows how much longer you would have gone down that path. And until you taken that, psychedelic whatever it is uh it kickstarts your awakening process um i was just gonna say you know this is people have been doing psychedelics for for a long time and um there's a reason why it's it's criminalized and kind of demonized in society um you know you look at like the hippie movement in the 60s and 70s and like they were they were doing psychedelics they were doing lsd i mean they were they were doing uh, psilocybin and everything else, but um, it got it got demonized because the uh, the system that you know we call it the matrix, the you know this kind of negative system that we're in, it wants it wants um, control, total control, and it pushes 
down everything like that that kind of liberates people like everything you just talked about it totally is a liberating thing and it like connect reconnects people helps people reconnect with their true soul and their true self and um and kind of like breaks down the ego i feel like too so yeah um it seems like with this great awakening that we talk about all the time this is a big part of it it's like people are refining this stuff and realizing it it works you know and you know you look at like shamans have been doing like ayahuasca and everything else for a long for thousands of years and mm -hmm. that's why it's so important when you when you do that you know people tell you like don't just jump into it you have to be in the right mindset you have to be prepared you have to find a shaman that you trust you know a you know it's like a, that's why it's like the ceremony that's not just something you jump into willy-nilly it's like mm -hmm. it's a very serious thing to or something to take seriously um but it's it's it can be so so huge and just transforming people because yeah and if you and if chemically you, it does something to your brain that just like breaks down all these uh like, i don't know what we're i don't know yeah it just like breaks down the whole like egoic kind of like structure that that we're that we kind of get stuck in that really quickly what they have found recently is that it it lowers the default mode network um dmn some people think that stands for demon right but it lowers the default <laughs> mode network in the brain and um what that the default mode network is basically our egoic reality you know that narrative the the rumination we have on a daily basis how we're always thinking processing judging and we just can't stop the mental chatter and they have found um through hooking the brain up to brain waves that it actually does quiet the default mode network and puts people into that meditation state so i mean it does show mm -hmm. to actually restore areas in the brain i mean it activates the whole brain you know you can see the whole like for instance they've done studies when people are watching tv versus when people are meditating when people are meditating the whole brain becomes activated when people are watching tv the the, the brain is um is not that activated and with psychedelics we're seeing the same phenomena as we do with meditation that's interesting yeah. i was gonna say so you know we talked about it like starting people on their awakening journey but what's interesting is <clears throat> like, <clears throat> sorry, what is awakening? Like it's, it's diff being awake to you is different than being awake to me. It's different for everybody. So <clears throat> it's an individual process. Exactly. It's really yeah. interesting. <clears throat> I feel like Hillary Clinton here. Get <laughs> choking. <You're> right there. <laughs> um, yeah. No, but I just I just know it's different for everybody. Everybody is at their own level of awakening. So it's it's interesting just to see how people come out of that experience because they've they might have awakened to one aspect of something, but that doesn't mean they're awake, essentially. In the grand scheme of things, you know, that we can dive down that whole rabbit hole, but you get where I'm going with it. Yeah. I mean, in general, as we like tie you know, psychedelic work or transformational work to disclosure, you see that they kind of run into each other. I mean, people who are doing transformational work or psychedelic work are working on their shadow. And you're coming up against all those things that you have suppressed and, and, and ignored and avoided and numbed your whole life. Mm -hmm. But yet that shadow is running your life right? That's our understanding. If we're kind of looking from like a union perspective is that we have this shadow, these like sets of other 
selves that are running our life, you know, but then we have our persona and we don't realize that when you start to do transformational work, you're getting intimate with that shadow. And so you're going through the layers of your own truth. And in doing that, uh, you start to see how there's a shadow over everything. There's a shadow over individuals, over families, communities, nations, over this globe. And once you start to realize that there are veils and those veils start to remove, well, that's disclosure, right? That's when we're coming into truth. So yeah, there's, there's layers and stages of awakening and it's different for everyone. And it's really hard for us actually to ever compare or judge ourselves between each other because, you know, in one area, you know, a person might be completely awoke and somebody else isn't awoke. And, you know, it's different in different areas. Like I could be awake in some areas, but completely ignorant in other areas. It's not like you just, sometimes people use the word um, awakening as if it was just one time thing. Like mm -hmm. I've awoken, I know disclosure now, or I know that the, 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 we have a spiritual purpose now, or I know that conscious living is better. But to me, yeah, there are stages and we're all in this individual process. And essentially the two interweave together, the, the movement of disclosure and, and seeing the truth on an individual community and, um, you know, national global level. And also um, sometimes people start at the other end. Some people come into disclosure. They're not doing any personal work. Um, and they are just interested in things that are not being talked about in mainstream media. And so they jump behind the scenes and they're exploring any number of topics in the disclosure realms. And then they start to see what's going on. And it is a call to action to transform the self. So whether a person is starting with transformation and it leads into disclosure or whether, whether a person is into disclosure, you'll notice a lot of people in disclosure are turning toward the divine and are turning toward their spiritual mission and are turning toward, you know, interpersonal communication and connection and just looking at what is our material world mission and what is our spiritual mission. So yeah, the two are intertangled. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. I, was, I was just, that just uh, goes off of what I said at the very beginning. Like we get, it's so the information only takes you so far eventually you, you're kind of forced the stuff just comes to the surface anyway you're forced to go inward and uh, and go down that spiritual path uh, because it's just part of it it's hand in hand with the whole process so yeah it definitely makes a lot of sense absolutely yeah well yeah, said if you're just watching disclosure you know the fear the anxiety the panic is just going to increase the addiction is going to increase the chaos is going to increase and if mm -hmm. you do try to initiate any kind of mission to awaken people, nobody's going to listen to you. You know, then you just become the crazy conspiracy theorist that's running around trying to wake everyone up because you're not grounded in your heart. And that's ultimately how we create change and awaken people is our energy field. You know, a lot of times people think, I know so many things, you know, I'm going to like save the world, but it doesn't matter what we know. It matters who we are. Yes. Nailed. Like you guys, right? And it's like Edge of Wonder. That's why I, I just am so grateful to be able to work with them and to be able to be on your show because it's like you feel the radiance of your heart. And that's what people are attracted to, not just the information. It's it's the energy field that you exude. Yeah. Well, yes. thank you for that. Beautiful. And Beautiful. that was actually, it's funny you touched on that. It's funny. Uh, that was a part of my awakening. It was uh, it was like I had a blockage on my heart. Like I didn't, 
almost like I didn't really know how to love. I, I was going, I was very superficial in my party days and everything was very superficial and people came into my life. And now, now looking back on it, I know why certain things happen, even to a certain dog I have. Like, I swear this dog came to me like to show me unconditional love. It's just, that was one of the big things for me. And it, it that was really what unlocked everything else because everybody, you know, what we hear all the time, like, what do we have left at the end of the day? Love. So uh, that's definitely, I, I, I know where you're going with that. We're talking about the, coming from the heart center and resonating with people who are in that heart center because, yeah. And it's, and it's really about healing too, because, um, you know, so many people on the planet are, like you said, um, they're living out this unconscious shadow self that they have these like core wounds and traumas that they've never dealt with and they don't even realize it. And they don't, they don't know why they're depressed or why they're angry all the time or sad or everything else. And, um, they need healing at that deep core level and this like psychedelics is just a very powerful tool in helping you to heal yourself and to reconnect with and, that and so. you don't even actually have to like i didn't use psychedelics like it can happen. no no it can happen that's what people need to be clear on too You're like you don't actually need any any of this stuff to assist you with it like it can happen totally organically and but naturally you, but you're the one that has to do it no one can do it for you is the biggest thing no one can like give you the truth and and healing and be like here you go and then you're just like oh yay it's like you can be handed information and you can be have guides and things like that but ultimately you have to take self-responsibility yourself you have to see it and you have to be like okay do i want to continue living the way i'm living or you know do i want to uh, live from my my true self and to heal these things that i've been avoiding and yeah that's what it's about. Yeah. My main insights in life too is there is no external solution. <laughs> you know, yeah. psychedelics, just like many other transformational tools. I mean, floating is really powerful. Fasting can be really powerful. Nature hikes can be powerful. You know, silent retreats can be powerful. There's a lot of different transformational tools that people have used for ages um, that can help catalyze consciousness for us. But yeah, as you're saying, ultimately we have to do the work. That's mm -hmm. why I'm in the business of integration. That's what we promote. You know, we are aware of all these transformational tools out there on the market. I mean, in a way, disclosure can be a transformational tool. I mean, it is a tool for awakening. You know, you sit there and you watch Journey to the Truth or Edge of Wonder for, you know, so many weeks on end, you're going to have a transformational experience and you're going to have a lot of insights but then you have to integrate those insights. And that's the thing about all transformational tools. They're, they have a dark and a light side to them in a way because it's what we do with that information that matters. It's, it's how we take those insights and we integrate them into our lives. Yeah, it, so it basically like something I've noticed, like I, I can definitely read energies uh, on, you know, empathic, I'm an empath, I guess, in, in certain, on a certain level. But I can look at people and, and know exactly what they need to do sometimes, but you can tell them that and it doesn't matter. Like you can, there's no reasoning. Sometimes it just has to happen on their terms. So it, it's, that's where it's difficult for me. Like I, I can see where a person is struggling, but how to get them to actually listen to what you have to say. That's the hard part. So yeah. that's maybe you can touch on that. 
Well, I would say that's what we're in the business of doing. I mean, yeah. because a lot of people that call us, it, there's there's two kinds, two kinds of people that call. Okay, it's a client, and they say, "I'm gonna." This is not what they say, but this is what I hear. Okay, I'm gonna give you money to help me, but after I give you money to help me, I'm gonna run and hide, and I'm gonna be really resistant, and I'm not gonna let you in. But I'm paying you to figure out how to get through my armor and get to me because I know that I'm blocked and I know that I'm resistant. I know I'm addicted. I know I'm perpetuating this, but I don't know how to get out of it. And I know that I'm probably going to run from the experience as soon as it starts to get real, just so you know, right? So that's what I hear when I, when clients hire us. And then you have the families that call us and the families say, you know, in desperation, my loved one is going to die, or they're, they're destroying the whole family, they're taking our whole life savings, what do we do? So there's a lot of things that I have come to realize. And one of them is that, as a human being, we have a right to our own journey, to our own hero's journey, let's say, we have a right to suffer, we have a right to make bad decisions. We have a right to make mistakes. We have a right to move at our own pace. We just really have to realize that we are individual beings because a lot of times we do see each other and we want to help each other naturally. But usually when we want to help each other, we want each other to do it the way that we see it. And when we start to in in, when we start to support people, we tend to control the experience or shame the experience. And the thing is, is that people need autonomy. It's really huge. People need autonomy to work through their process in their own way. So how do we help people? We nourish the conditions around their transformation. And we have to do it in a way that meets them where they're at. Everybody's in a different place. Sometimes you don't want to talk about the thing that's most triggering, you know, such as an addiction. You may not want to say the word addiction or alcohol problem or drug problem because that's going to trigger the person. And really, that's just the solution to the underlying problem. Problem. So if you try to take away somebody's like security blanket and the number one way that they are coping with life without addressing all the burdens and traumas and issues and karmas that's underneath it, there's no way that they can give it up. So instead, you can approach somebody in a very genuine, compassionate way and speak to something else. You know, I notice you've been really depressed lately. I notice you're not showing up to class anymore. You know, I, I notice you don't call me anymore. I notice you've been out of work for a while. Don't say anything about the main problem because that's when they're going to pull back. And then you get them talking. And, and the other thing is, like, we have to show vulnerability ourselves. You know, we have to connect yeah. with that person and say, gosh, you know, I'm I've actually been struggling too, you know, with such and such. And I'd really like to to work on this, you know, curious. I need accountability partner, Tyler. Curious if, you know, you could start talking to me once a week. I'd like to, um, you know, start addressing such and such. And I need someone to talk to me about this. And so there is a lot of ways that we can nourish the conditions is how I say it for a person's change and healing and transformation. But we can't be attached to the outcome because they can feel that. And as soon as we're attached to the outcome, they won't do it. And we can't control the experience or tell them how to do it or try to speed it up. Um, we just have to be with them in that experience in a compassionate way. So yeah, there's a lot of things that we- There's a lot of variables. Families, you know. 
And yeah. ultimately, we have to change ourselves. You know, it's our compassion and our willingness to look at our own stuff that helps other people change. Yeah, and you said it. You have to be vulnerable too. You can't just go. You need to do this, this, and that. I know better. I'm better than you. You know, you can't. You got to put yourself down on their level. And you cannot. Once you put yourself like in the in the. Once you uh, portray yourself as being better than them. Yeah, uh, that's where. Because then, because then you're just yeah. a person trying to fix them. You're just this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're just, and that's the worst thing. Yeah, it's like you need to connect with them, like you said, on a real level. And it's like you're in this with them. You're, you're in it you're, with them. With, for you care, them, you care about this. To like, no, you care about them. You're in it with them. You're, you're, you truly yeah. care. Yeah, but you're, yeah, you're, thing. you're doing it for them, not for you. Like, yeah, what's your benefit? It doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm so glad we're having this conversation right now because everywhere you look right now is all this stuff about this pandemic, this virus, this, it's, it's really fear-based right now, a lot of it. And uh, it's, it's nice to just uh, change the narrative for a little bit, you know, give people something else to listen to. And uh, this is really important stuff that that's all part of it. It's all part of it. Yeah. So, uh what else uh <laughs> so how many so working with edge of wonder uh is this just going to be like a one-time deal or, or, or do you know what's going do you have plans for the future well right now um we are in agreement to do six months videos so that'll be about um 25 videos or so that i'll do for edge of wonder and we'll see how it goes you know, basically, we're introducing something new to the channel. We're introducing something new, maybe to the disclosure community in a way. I mean, there's a lot of um, coaches out there and there's a lot of transformational programs out there, but not a lot of transformational programs that can hold a container like this for this community. I mean, I know when I was going through like my awakening into disclosure, I had no one to talk to. Okay, nobody, <laughs> um, except for the couple of people that were like introducing me to things. But I mean, pretty much I was on my own and it was a scary time and it did activate a lot of fears and, and um, you know, difficult thoughts that I had never faced before. And so what we'd like to do with Edge of Wonder is just bring in, you know, the integration aspect of it, right? Part of it is the awakening and realization to what is actually going on in our material world and even in our like spiritual world and the spiritual dimensions but what is behind our society what is really actually running it and what is actually happening right and then um once we realize what's going on even though we can't identify the total truth i mean we're all in this together nobody knows the absolute truth we just have conversations we look at data we look at information we process what it means but ultimately what does it mean for us as human beings because the one thing we know is this battle between dark and light and the cabal and the alliance however you want to say it you know this these kinds of battles have been going on since the beginning of time i mean you go back and you look at any kind of um historical you know uh, writings and it's like you're going to see you know the battle between dark and light being acted out 
it just kind of grows over time as civilizations advance. And then there seems to be like these epic moments of like that we call the great awakening where everybody figures things out and then our society like moves in a new direction. But what we'd like to do with the channel basically is provide guidance and direction for what do we do? You know, I have conversations all the time and people say, Deanne, I, I want to be a part of this. I want to do something. What do I do? And when I start talking about like, well, you have to do the work within, you know, that's the part that's not as exciting. People want to have a mission, but to have a mission, you have to get honest with yourself. You have to go in and figure out, you know, what, what is true for me? What is my value system? Like, why am I even trying to wake people up? What is the purpose in all of this? What are my attachments and expectations in this? There's just so much that we have to look at. So yeah, we're introducing something new to Edge of Wonder. And right now we'll do about 25 videos and we'll see how it goes. We'll see how the audience likes it. Um, maybe, yeah, I mean, I, so far, I think we're going to have a lot of people coming forward and I think it's going to actually bring a lot more vulnerability into the community. Because we have a tendency to look out in society and put a lot of blame and judgment against these bad actors and against these organizations and against things we've discovered. But a lot of those elements are within us. You know, we have judgment. We've hurt people. We've lied. We've cheated. We've stole. You know, maybe it's on a smaller scale, but it's like we've done a lot of these things. And so it's an opportunity to... Um, yeah, to do our work and to ultimately, through all of this, through the whole Great Awakening, through the disclosure, to level up. Because I tell you, if all of these tragic things are going on on the planet and we don't level up through it, that is the greatest sin to me. Wow. That's amazing. I love that. Beautifully said. I, I, absolutely. Was, yeah. <laughs> level up. I like that term. And I like how you talked about uh, the mission. That was actually something I personally went through. I, I wanted to know right off the bat, like, what's my mission? You kept hearing, I was watching these videos. Of, what's my mission? But I wasn't doing any work in inner work at the time. And until you went through all that, then it, it's like, you can't, it's almost like that's, you, you create anxiety by what's the definition of anxiety, worrying about the future. You just have to focus on one, what's here right now. And then the next step will present itself. So many people do that. They're trying to like do a five-year plan. To personally, I think that I mean it might be good to have direction, but until but you have you, to live in the now. Yeah, the until present. you face yeah. exactly what you're going through right now, and don't worry about what's next because once you once you conquer that, the next step will present itself, and it becomes so much easier to navigate through life that way. And that's how you find your mission because it will present itself. And uh, this podcast basically just, we just jumped into it, it, it just happened it just happened <laughs> we had no idea what we were doing we just but we, we just started it you know, it took it took some uh yeah. it took both of us going through our own thing and coming together you know synchronistically or whatever you might say but it's, it's helped us as much as it because we get a lot of great feedback and we're blessed that people are resonating strongly with it but it's it's done just the same with us honestly with people like you and the amazing people we've had on here. Like we've grown, I feel like a ton spiritually and Absolutely. as human beings through this. So, yeah. And yeah. I think, and I think by you having that sh the show on edge of wonder, it's exactly what people need now because everybody who's going through this awakening, we're all addicted to something on some level. You know, there's always something 
uh, and it's a great, it'll be a great place for people to go and really uh, help them navigate their own journey. So very cool you guys are doing that. Yes, thank you so much for, for the work you're doing. It's so important, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys too. Yeah. I mean, I think that transformational work reveals the path. You can only see the next step in front of you, you know? So that's the thing with all of us. Like we can't see our ultimate mission maybe, but we can see the next step. Like with you guys, you knew next step, start a podcast. I don't exactly know, but whatever you did before that led to that clarity. And so that's basically what I realized is that as we do our work and clear our fears, clear our burdens, clear our traumas, clear our karma and uh, raise up, we, we get clearer. And when we're clearer, then we can see what to do. And what's so amazing through the transformational process, and by that I mean, you know, using your addictions and suffering as a launching pad to find your, the journey of your true self and to find your life mission. It's like through that process, everybody discovers their own unique expression, their unique place and purpose in this life. And you realize everybody is actually significant and everybody is actually needed. So sometimes people think, well, what's my purpose? What do I do? Well, I train coaches all over the world. And I can tell you, I get every different kind of coach coming in to train and everybody is significant because they can touch the world in a way that no one else can. You know, you guys could touch the world in a way I can't. I can touch the world in a way you guys can't. You know, our family members, our friends, think about all the different kinds of people you know. They can reach a population that no one else can because we've all had our unique experiences, our unique suffering. And sometimes we sit there and we dwell in, you know, the unfairness of life, the struggle, what we've been through and how hard things are. And, um, you know, we end up perpetuating a lot of things, but eventually we find out that our greatest pain can be our greatest treasure. You know, like Tyler, I really relate to what you were saying on a couple of things, you know, just like the younger alcoholic party days. And, um, I had a lot of shame for a long time about the way that I spent my, you know, second and third decade. And well, yeah, second, third decade. And then I realized what I'm doing now and it all made sense. I was like, wow, people want to know, have you been there? Have you made all these terrible decisions? Have you, you know, been addicted and run amok and rebelled and, um, you know, had a lot of regret? It's like, yep, I've, I've had those things. And I see that those things became actually credentials. So I tell you what, people are more, more than wanting to know my credentials or my team's credentials. They don't ask that. People don't ask our credentials. They ask, have you been there? And it's like, yes, we've been through the human experience. We've been through suffering. And when you look at like my team, for instance, we've transformed ourselves through a lot of crazy things. And then when you get through it, it's like your career, your passion, purpose, mission, it kind of spells itself out, Mm -hmm. you know, once you get through that process, but you kind of have to take that leap of faith and do that work to see it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. So do you have advice for people, somebody listening right now, just uh, getting over an addiction or also some people might not even realize they are addicted to something. Like I know I'm addicted to caffeine. Like I have, you know, I, I have caffeine every day and it's something I need to work on, but some people might not realize that that's a problem. 
is that something you do is like make people aware that they're actually addicted to something and how can you help people like is there any advice you can give people listening right now that might help them uh just put that next foot forward and you know take that next step well yeah so i mean i see addictions as exaggerated attachments and we have a series of attachments we all have them we have mental attachments, emotional attachments, you know, interpersonal relationship attachments, um, you know, physical attachments, and those attachments hold us back. They create pain for us. They create interpersonal conflict. They create desires and cravings. You know, they create addictions. And so, basically, you know, we nobody here on this planet doesn't have. A, you know, attachments. And then in the extreme form, they become addictions. And when it becomes an addiction is when you can't control it, you can't stop it, you know, despite the negative consequences it brings upon you. So I think, you know, one thing that you can do is just start to understand the addiction phenomenon from a greater perspective. A lot of people think about addiction as drug addiction, and they think, I don't have drug addiction. You know, a lot of people say that when they come to our coach training, they say, I don't want to learn about addiction, you know, but then they go through the training and it's like, oh my gosh, I need to work on my addictions. <laughs> so I, I do think that that um, addiction happens on a spectrum. There's soft addictions, there's hard addictions, there's life-threatening addictions. But I would say, you know, you can just start to look at the things that you're attached to and you can't live without. I mean, what are those things? And it's not just physical things like, yeah, Caffeine, sugar, cigarettes, you know, these things are easier to identify because they cost us money and we have to physically go for them. But then there's the things like complaining, judging, gossiping, even disclosure can be an addiction, right? You know, just getting that high off of getting like the next piece of information, the next clue. And so we can feel that, um, that desire and urge build inside of us. And usually when it's unhealthy, it's going to create some kind of turmoil in our life, you know, within ourselves. Maybe my addiction is keeping me up all night. I can't sleep. You know, maybe my addiction is causing me to lose my appetite. I can't eat, you know, or maybe addictions are causing um, interpersonal conflicts. Like I can't get along with my spouse. You know, you keep blaming them for what they're doing, but it's like, well, what are you doing? So I would say self-awareness, you know, in education is the best place to start essentially. Yeah. And we become aware of these things and then we monitor how it's affecting us. And we just start to look at the addiction phenomenon society in general, which is the phenomenon of, there's a lot of different ways that I see addiction, but I mean, it, it's like, um, you could just say the oppositional force field, you know, it's like that thing that's sort of working against us. Okay. Like I, really I really want something but I'm sabotaging that thing because of something else so yeah self-awareness is the first step I mean in my show too I'll talk a lot about the nature of addiction and the phenomena of addiction and the addictive mindset the addictive personality it's fascinating and when you start to understand the tenets of the mindset and personality of addiction then you start to see it in ourselves and um, the greatest part of it is that when we identify these things, we can start to raise our consciousness above those thoughts and behaviors, and we can sort of naturally mature out of our addictions. It doesn't have to be this arduous, daunting, miserable process that you spend, you know, thousands of dollars on. I mean, yeah. we teach natural maturation. So, yeah, 
I just self-awareness and vulnerability is a good place to start. And you have to want to do it. I had a, I'm going to tell a quick story. It's kind of funny in a way, not really, but I had a friend who, uh, he had a gambling problem. So he literally called the 1-800-BETS-OFF and took himself out of the casino. But then uh, I, I seen him a couple of weeks later and I was like, how's it going? You know, how's it been not going to the casino? He's like, I realized I'm not addicted to gambling. I'm, I'm addicted to spending money because he found other places to spend his money. Years later, I just talked to him the other day. We kind of grew apart. And I was like, uh, he reached out to me. I was like, how you been? How you been? He's like, actually, things are really looking up for me right now. Well, and, I, and I said, well, yeah, they closed all the casinos and bars. So you got to be doing pretty good. And he's like, no, I'm serious. He's like, I'm saving so much money because of this shutdown right now. <laughs> he's like, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. So you can look at it. There is one positive about what's going on right now. Uh, it's just funny. I just that made me think of it. So there's, there's some identifying your addiction, you know, but it's not just identifying it. It's, are you willing to do something about it? Cause he knew he had the addiction, but yeah. he had no interest in, in, in stopping what he was doing. It's forcing him to slow down and look at like, what's yeah. the core reason why I'm addicted yeah. to this? What there's always the underlying core reason mm-hmm. for addictions. That's the thing. And you can, you're avoiding that by the addiction itself. So you're avoiding dealing with your true issues by gambling or eating too much or uh, drinking or whatever. That's why so many people, they'll hit rock bottom only when they're like for something in their life forces them to deal with it. Like they don't have a choice anymore. They can't keep running. You know, that's when um, you hear people, they're like, they're like, yeah. And then I almost died, you know, and this, I had an accident, this happened. And, suddenly i it's like they had this great awakening of this epiphany yeah yeah, yeah because it it literally like slammed them into forcing them to look at it and and to be like oh my god like what am i doing like mm-hmm. this is why i'm acting this way this is it's, why i'm doing this it's that catalyst that we, a lot of us need really yeah. yeah yeah well that's what i tell that's what i understand is that with attachments and addictions we can give them up willingly or we will be forced to give them up And usually by the time we're forced to give them up, it's not as pleasant. You know, if you're addicted to sugar, you can scale back and you can give it up willingly or you're going to get diabetes and you're going to have to give it up and you're going to have to take an injection the rest of your life, right? So there's so many of these different scenarios where we can give it up on our own, in our own way, at our own pace, um, or something's going to happen where we're going to be forced to do it, which isn't you know sometimes it's motivational crisis like you guys are talking about something happens and it just creates like this awakening and it creates this opportunity and people walk through that door and it's beautiful but sometimes that hammer comes down pretty hard on people and they find themselves with a poor bill of health or a jail sentence or a divorce or a custody battle um or something you know serious like that or a virus (laughs) and um you know then in some situations it may be too late or maybe it's not too late but it's going to take you know weeks or months to like dig yourself out of that hole so in addition to self-awareness and exploring the impact of our addictions on our life i would say meaning too you know speaking to what you guys are saying you have to have meaning in life because the crisis creates that opportunity to see what life could be like you know in a different regard so that's another thing you know sometimes we see our addictions you know and we don't we, we don't we don't really see what's the point in giving them up. The consequence hasn't become bigger than the benefits. The benefits are still um, 
you know, winning the game. So, you know, meaning, purpose, value system. That's why I like these existential conversations because when you really get honest with ourselves and we, we get true with about, you know, what's important to us, then we start to see there's, there's gaps in our system. You know, I, I value X, Y, Z, but I'm actually, you know, focusing on ABC. You know, my attention is going over here, even though I value this and I might not care now, but how am I going to feel in five years and 10 years? Mm -hmm. Gosh, I'm about to turn 40. And it's like, when you get to 40, you, you, you look at your life and it's like, it's true. It does go faster as you get older. I mean, I remember people telling me this when I was younger and you don't take it seriously. And then before you know it, you know, all that time that we just didn't care, we look back and, and we feel like we wasted it. And when you do find your passion, purpose, and mission, you're going to wish that you got on that train a lot quicker. Mm. So you know, it's yeah. hard to rush these experiences for people, though. I mean, it's just everyone opens up and awakens on their own time. Yeah. I think a lot of people need to hear everything you're saying tonight. This this whole conversation. Even when you were talking about being addicted to disclosure, that just kind of rang a bell in my head. I know I've been there a couple times when you just – you want that. That's what I kind of talked about at the beginning. You get distracted. Actually, it just re recently happened to me. I couldn't wait to hear the next bit of information coming out about what's really going on with this virus right now. And I was like totally caught up in it. And uh, Saturday, I got a phone call that my grandmother passed away. And it was her time. It was, it, I'm not looking for sympathy. It was her time. Actually, it was a really good thing. And immediately what I did was like, Oh my God, it put everything into perspective. And I immediately went into meditation, like within minutes of me getting the news. And I had the most amazing experience. And just like this, it was just like, it brought me back to like, I lost, I had lost sight. You know, I wasn't meditating. I was just like constantly waking up, looking at my phone, doing all the stuff. And it just really, that's that catalyst it was talking about. So it cut, it happens in stages. Like it might not just happen one time in your life. Like you, you can fall off that path. Even if it's something as stupid as being addicted to disclosure, it's still an addiction. So it's definitely... Yeah, and if we, yeah. if we get really clear on what's the attachment behind it, we can turn that attachment into the mission, right? It's like I used I realized that with alcohol, my attachment behind it was to be valuable and to have a sense of belongingness and to be popular. And I thought I had to be in the cool crowd drinking a bunch of alcohol to to meet those needs so my real need underneath was that i wanted to be included i didn't ever have any communities really that didn't drink alcohol you know all of my peer groups and everywhere i went in society everybody drank so to me to be cool and popular and uh, appreciated and these inner values that i had you know was to drink a bunch of alcohol and the day that i realized that i could quit drinking and that i could actually help other people to quit drinking and find what they were passionate about you know my desire dissipated in one second it literally did so i think we can like even with disclosure a lot of us really like disclosure it's very exciting but we can get clear on why why do we like it well it facilitates truth it facilitates the awakening we we're, we're suffering we're dying as a human race way before our time there are millions of people dying all the time for things that we could prevent and when we really understand that and we get in our heart then we can start to realize there's a lot of reasons that i want to understand disclosure and then instead of just pushing truth on people um in a sort of 
careless, forceful way and like pushing people away and closing them off, all of a sudden now we've moved into our heart and we found a mission. So I think that can be helpful too when we get clear of our intention and attachment or value system underneath our behaviors. We can continue with the same behavior sometimes, but we can do it in a more heart-centered, intentional way, you know, such yeah. as addictions to disclosure. Because that can be really messy and turn a lot of people off, or it can be really powerful and help a bunch of people. Absolutely agree. Uh, something I thought of while you were saying that when you were talking about the drinking addiction, something I just kind of started doing on my own after I... I really slow. I didn't just stop drinking overnight. It's, it was a slow process. And, uh, but I would get these cravings for alcohol. And I started realizing, like, are these my own thoughts? Like, or is there another force at play here? Like, that, that's giving me these, cra these cravings. So then I started looking into, like, you know, how to know when a thought is yours or is it something else? And I would literally demand whatever it was to go away because I'd all, it would be so weird how the craving would just hit me. It's like I had to have a drink and I would just tell this entity or whatever it was. I have no idea. I would just say, I know this isn't my thought. You have no place here, blah, 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 whatever I would say at the time. And within five minutes, I'd lost all cravings and, it, and this worked consistently. So this was just a method I found out that, you know, maybe I had some attachment or something was going on that you just, you don't realize there's always a, an opposing force there that's taunting you. So that's just some advice to anyone who might be trying to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think when we become well-informed, it helps us to change too, because think about our cell phones. I mean, cell phones trigger addictive desires. If you don't understand what's going on with technology these days, you're not going to understand that the more you hold that cell phone, the more you're going to crave alcohol, the more you're going to crave cannabis and that cigarette and sugar. I mean, all the addictive things sort of go together. So it kind of speaks to, to the importance of disclosure. The more we understand how we are bound by our addictions, like you said, every once in a while I get those thoughts, those urges would just come out of nowhere. Well, who knows where they're coming from? You know, maybe it's coming from within yourself and maybe it's coming from some kind of frequency that's like going through your brain. It's making you crave it. So I feel that when we um, allow ourselves to see the invisible forces of this world, again, whether it's like electro, electric, electric waves, electric, electric toxicity, or whether it's like spiritual interference, or whether it's just our own thoughts. Um, there's a lot of invisible forces that are always going through our consciousness that can create desires as well. And when we don't understand those cravings, we just obey them. You yeah. know, a craving comes, we just obey it. Oh, time for a cigarette. We'll just go do it. But when we start to understand, then we can do what you're saying. Say, no, I'm not going to obey you. And then our true self is growing strength. And when the more we do that, we find pretty easily that, gosh, I could cut down my cigarettes by 50%. Now I just cut them down by 75%. Now I just cut mm -hmm. it down you know, by 90% because we, we start to take ownership of ourself and we say no to whatever those forces are. Because the more we give into it, the stronger those urges come. The more we become aware, we can, you know, we can start to pull back. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. there's, there's definitely a programming involved in it too. Like I would notice I, I didn't need to drink all week and Friday would come and it was like, all right, it's time for a drink, you know? And, and that's when the cravings would come. But I, th I do think that there is a spiritual interference because alcohol attracts, you know, spirits. So whenever you get to a certain point when you're drinking, something else comes in and takes over and it's feeding off of that. 
so I think that maybe that thing's hanging around waiting for the next weekend and they're taunting you and, you know, they're putting that thought into your head because they're ready to, you know, they're ready to feed off of this as well. And that's when you have to turn it away. Yeah. They've always called alcohol spirits. Yeah. You know? Always. I mean, for hundreds of years before the term addiction even came about, I mean, they were calling, you know, alcohol spirits because they would notice like a possession takes over the, the person when they're drinking. So it does get you thinking about what are those like possible interfering forces. Yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I don't know how long have we been going already. I don't, I'm not sure what time we started. Um, Is there anything else that you wanted to no, talk no. <laughs> A little over an hour. I didn't know. Okay, over an hour? Yeah. A little bit over an hour, yeah. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on or get to uh, while, we, while we're here talking about all this stuff or any, any, anything else at all? Um, gosh, like, I don't know. I, I think nothing in particular, just that... Um, you know, to everyone that's listening who who is inspired by the conversation, you know, reach out to us. We would love to hear from you to the journey of the truth, to Edge of Wonder. We'd love to hear your stories, your experiences, um, what, you know, how you have transformed your own uh, addictions or conditions or suffering, or certainly if you are suffering, to just know there's a huge community available to help. There's a lot of things that we can do. I do foresee things getting a little bit um, easier for some reason. I feel like like these major crises when they hit the planet, it sort of inspires everyone to connect and come together and to see things differently. So I feel like there's a, a huge opening right now and an opportunity for a lot of people to uh, you know get connected with their true self. So the only thing I'd say is it you know it is possible to to uh, change and improve our situations, and I feel that. While addiction and suffering is really inevitable, we live in a material world. I mean, naturally, it's going to enchant and, and allure us into this like um, materialistic, affluent lifestyle. I mean, it just happens. Um, and to have a lot of attachments, if we can't afford a lot of things, you know, then we just are in this space of scarcity and lack. So, I mean, either way, I think there's a lot of suffering and it's, it's inevitable and it's normal. But what's even more powerful is that I feel we are predestined and to come out of it. I mean, that's the whole point of the journey. You know, the hero's journey is to utilize the crisis for our own transformation. So nothing in particular I want to talk about, you know, just to inspire and give people hope that, you know, if you're still alive or your friends, families are still alive or lost or misguided, I mean, there's there is ways to turn things around and to improve the conditions of our life. And I do strongly believe that as humans, we do have a, a high significance and purpose here on this planet. Yeah. And I think you nail it on the head and you said things are getting easier. I definitely feel the shift. I see it happening. Things are look kind of, things might seem like they're going pretty bad right now but we're going to come out of this. I know we are, and it's going to get better. It's going to get easier. And uh, honestly, who knows what the future holds, but I, I definitely think it's positive. Definitely. Yeah. And something to consider is that if you don't like awaken and go through your process and um, heal yourself 
and integrate positive changes. Think about all the people that you're not helping, you know, because sometimes you might think, I, I just don't want to do it. I don't care about my life. I don't believe in afterlife. I just, it's too hard. I just don't care. But it's like, if you think about if each one of us has a mission to help others, if we don't help ourselves, then how many people out there are not going to be helped because we didn't get on track. I mean, so essentially I feel we're all interconnected and all interdependent in a way. It's like, if you guys, if you guys didn't have the courage to start this podcast, how many people would you not have helped, you know? So, but you did it, you stepped into it. And so I think when you were saying earlier, how do we help initiate change for people around us? It's to create you know, is to find that sense of meaning and purpose. Cause I know that's what helps drive me. You know, when I look around and I see that the world is hurting and suffering, the first thing I think is what can I do to improve myself? Cause ultimately it's in, you know, with an individual, it starts with an individual process. So. Yeah. And one yeah. of you just keep reminding me of stuff. Sorry. One of the things that we were, we taught or we learned during awakening is a bit about, becoming service to others and helping other people and, and being of service to the planet. As soon as I started realizing, as soon as I would have that drink and commit myself to going out and drinking that night, you are no longer service to others. If something happens, if an emergency, so a family member needs you, a friend needs you, whatever, you're in no condition to be helping anybody. It's, it's a very, it almost, you look at it, it's very selfish in a way when you, when you come at it from that aspect, you know, it's not just about being a, addicted but it's also selfish because now you are literally only you're of service to nobody not even yourself at that point in times of crisis like it's it's hard when the whole world hits crisis and if we haven't been doing our individual work then we become the person that needs help right instead of the person that's helping you know so we can either be the leader helping others or we can be the person that that needs help and it's okay to be on either side but if we can if we have that awareness if we have that um that opportunity you know it's time to step up i mean yeah this life is precious and it goes fast it really does yeah starting to see that (laughs) and we never know how much time we have left so yeah band together surround yourself with like positive people have positive conversations get vulnerable talk about what's going on utilize the resources the transformational tools the opportunities that are around you I strongly believe that everybody always has a path to improve the conditions of their life, no matter what it is, whether you're homeless, whether you've gone bankrupt, whether you've burned every bridge in your life, whether you've, you know, like lost mobility or disabled, whatever it is, there's always a path available to everyone to improve the conditions of their life. We just have to identify what that next step is and be willing to take it. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautifully said. With that, I guess we'll go ahead and start wrapping this up. Uh, it was amazing. Thank you so much. I hope that anyone listening, I, I, I told a lot of stories on purpose tonight because I know people can relate. I, I wish I had those stories to listen to when I was going through it. Uh, but we walked the path. We live it. And uh, I think that a lot of people need to hear this. Uh, and it's uh, so I'm so grateful we're everybody we're both so grateful for what you're doing we're excited for your channel on edge of wonder we'll definitely be tuning in the link will be below so anybody wants to check that out go over there and do that uh and just yeah and everybody just keep your head high right now during these during these dark times it's literally doom and gloom i don't think i've seen the sun for like two weeks now 
It's so cloudy. <laughs> it's been overcast for like uh, over a week here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, same here. Yeah. That's yeah. I've started. I was laying on the couch the other day. I'm like, is this like part of the whole plan? Like to just keep cloudy yeah. during this whole thing? Because my God. Oh, uh, anyway. I was having the same thought. Snow, thunder, rain. It's been going on for days here in Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tomorrow, ironically, is going to be. It's going to. Yeah. Get warm sun. and sunny. Yeah. yeah. The next few days at least okay well thank you for coming on this is amazing thank you for listening to everybody uh please like and subscribe if you if you found this at all uh interesting or if you enjoyed this at all uh every like every, please comment below all that stuff helps you know uh we like the feedback it helps us grow as well and uh, we have t-shirts available on teespring.com if you're interested in that uh that's it <laughs> yeah. thank you so much for coming on and thank you for doing the work you're doing it's so important it's so huge yeah and uh yeah just thank you for your service to humanity it's amen it's to that all right good night everybody thanks for listening and we'll see you next week thank you guys thanks everyone good night bye, bye.